week, I checked out a movie that I think you last week had, had taken a look at, and that is uh, Jake Johnson's Self-Reliance. Oh, it's streaming. I did it not is. know that. Yeah, it's, it's out on Hulu. Um, and mm. I think it's like that was its original pitch. I don't know why it popped into theaters for a hot minute there, but um, I think it was like originally a, a Hulu release. But Sure, yeah. I wanted so badly for this to be like a three-star movie for me. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get there. I, it's like yeah. a solid two and a half movie, two and a half movie, two and a half star movie. It's, I like a lot of what's going on in this movie. Yeah. Um, good performances. Although I will say Jake Johnson is very much just Nick Miller in this, but if he's Literally. directing for the first time, like he's allowed to default back to a more uh, <laughs> comfortable acting area. Totally. Um, and then the rest of it just kind of feels like things that are almost there, but aren't really connecting, yep. um, which was fine. I kind of got what they were going for. Like you have that realization where they're like, oh, like this is what they're swinging for here. Mm-hmm. Um, but that re- realization, I think, kind of takes you out of it a little bit. And yeah. then the biggest thing for me, and this is maybe spoilerly, spoil I've never said that word correctly, spoilery. <laughs> uh, but there's it doesn't pay off. Yeah. It spends this whole movie building towards something, towards like this bigger thing going on that's just not there. Yeah. And it just kind of ends, and you're like, and it kind of ends and it kind of makes a joke out of like the reason for all of this pain and suffering. Um, right. Uh, which, you know, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I disappointed, like a good first, like film for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I hope he keeps directing cause there is something to this. It's just like directing's fucking hard. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and the script, like, to me, it's like the script just feels very unfocused. I think I said yeah. this when we, I talked about it originally, but, like, what is the message here? Yeah. Like, I was kind of struggling to be like, what was the point of this movie exactly? Because um, yeah. it wasn't what you think it's going to be. And like you said, the payoff is essentially nothing. And then the other thing is, like, Anna Kendrick's character is, like, almost not – she's not in it for that much yeah. of the movie and you're just kind of like why was she there to begin with it feels to me like the script like got was going really great and then got to a point and they were like all right how do we get out of this movie yeah you know what i mean yeah. where it's like all right we've got and I, I think it's around the point where they're all where they're in the motel being all like lovey-dovey kind of stuff and now yes. they're like okay now we have to get to the end how right. do we resolve this character? How do we resolve this character? How do we resolve this character? And how do we get to the end? Um, right. Which, you know, is a weird way to structure a film. But yeah, I guess. Um, shout out yeah. Biff Whiff, who I think was the standout performance. Definitely. Um, as uh, James yes. um, slash Walter. But uh, Walter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Fun. Not yeah. great. Um, but I want to see more from him. Yeah, it's pretty short. It's like an hour, yeah. like 30 minutes, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, you said it was on Hulu? It's a Hulu, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, and you had said that. You're like, I'm pretty sure that was a Hulu original. I was like, that makes total sense, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah I want to put it in like the same 
category is like Palm Springs. Yeah, but you know? Palm Springs is way better. <laughs> but Palm Springs is way better, yeah. And it's not just because yeah. Andy Samberg's in both of them, but right, true, true. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's an interesting film for sure, but yeah, it doesn't quite doesn't quite get there. Yeah. Um, also, really interesting to see Emily Hampshire in there um, because I'm rewatching Schitt's Creek right now. Yes. Um, yes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what's up, Stevie? <laughs> Yeah, what's up? Like, literally. And I had never really seen her prior to Shit's Creek. So whenever yeah. I see her now, I'm like, yes, let's fucking go. Let's go. Yes. Love it. She's really good. And she seems like she's having the best time ever. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm, I've been watching a lot of different stuff this week. Um, mostly because I'm like, okay, we're out of the 2023 movies. I don't have, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm obligated right now. Still watched a couple, but I kind of went back. It's because the Oscar noms haven't come out yet. I know, I know, but th- I'm hoping <laughs> that I've crossed a lot come, of those. I've, I'm hoping I crossed a lot yeah. of those off my list already, but I went and I watched, um, heaven knows what, which is a Safdie brothers film from 2014. Oh. Uh, which is I'd never heard of, to be honest, like prior to really good time, like I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about them and I hadn't really gone back into their filmography because I just like, I feel like, I don't know what it was. I had a hang up there, but it's interesting. Cause you say like Safety brother movies before good time. And I'm like, were there Safety brother movies before good time? Well, that's the thing. There's like three. They made like three before that. And this is one of them. And this movie stars uh, Ariel Holmes, who you may never have heard of because she's only made three movies. And this is the first one because she literally was a homeless lady who they found while scouting Uncut Gems in like 2013. Hmm. Um, And she was there were just like she was really interesting. They talked a lot. They had her write a memoir and then they based this film off of her memoir and it is a movie about a heroin addict who is homeless on the streets of New York in the 2010s. Hmm. And the thing that I found really interesting about this film is a lot of movies about addiction, substance abuse, whether it's alcohol or drugs, that's the f- focus of the film. And sure. I think a lot about train spotting or even movies like To Leslie, where it's like that's a clear part of her character. Yeah. In this movie, like they're heroin addicts, and it's not like, you know, there's no. They're definitely heroin addicts, but it's not something that is talked about often. It's just part of who they are. And the movie is about these people just in their own world. Like it is about homeless people in their own world, just dealing with their own shit. And it's this woman who is just literally trying to survive on the streets and going from boyfriend to boyfriend and just trying to make things work. And it's a movie about the destructiveness of, of drug addiction and what it can make you do. But at the end of the day, it's just a character study about these people that I thought was really intense and hmm. kind of beautiful. It really reminded me of Andrea Arnold's movies. Um, like she did the same thing with Fish Tank. She found this woman who was just astonishing and never acted yeah. and made her the lead. And this is exactly what happened here. Um, and I just, I don't know, man. It's very clear that like the Safties have such a specific like tone and style because this is like chaotic. Yeah anxiety inducing for different reasons um shot on long lenses from across streets and like from you know through grates and stuff because you're like well this is how people see homeless people and vagrants is like from a distance even when they're right next to you and i just thought this was a crazy like really really strong film um that i don't know that i'd watch again but man i was like whoa the the safties have always been good like they always know what they're doing and what they're about um 
it's on Criterion right now, so I I recommend checking it out. It is intense, but it's like you know, it's 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 a really strong film that I'm like, wow. I don't know how people think of these kinds of things and are able to execute yeah. on this level, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Heaven knows Especially what I would recommend in their it. careers. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, All right. So yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I do love me some Safety Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Where does they're not uh, working together anymore? Is that why? Did you text me that? I did, and I was like, oh, I texted like six people that when I read it, I was like, oh, <laughs> but. Alas, it's a shame. It's a shame. Well, we'll see. Who knows? You know, maybe they'll both. Maybe they'll be like the uh, the the Scott brothers, Tony yeah. and Ridley. Yes. You know, both going off to make insanely great movies. Anyway, um, I will shift um, over to uh, what will be really the second in my uh, my Road to Godzilla watch. Um, and I will try not to do one of these every week. Um, hey, but do you, man? It just so happens. You know, I don't want to inundate our listeners with with Godzilla and King Kong. But I watched Son of Kong. Yeah. Um, from 1933, which is. It's really weird because I'm learning all of this stuff as I'm watching these older ones where Son of Kong came out the same year as King Kong. In oh. like a massive like King Kong was a great success. Let's make a sequel immediately, like, like within nine months. Yeah, um, stars the same guys. Um, you know, st- stars Robert Armstrong as Carl Denham and like uh, Frank Reacher as the captain, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, this movie is not very good. Um, <laughs> it's not bad, and I think I said when I was talking about King Kong, it's hard to put a real rating on movies from 90 years ago because it's just a whole different ball game, but totally different. Yeah. There's a lot of script in this that's setting up to get us back to skull Island. Mm-hmm. And it takes about, I'd say 75% of the script for us to get back to skull oh. Island and then Son of Kong is there and the effects are good. Mm-hmm. They are nowhere near on the same level. The claymation is choppier and like it's less well integrated. Um, but it's like we spent all this time to get to this thing and then we're there and then that's it. And then it's over. It like It's just kind of like, let's crank out this movie. Nice. Let's do just a basic set, a basic, you know, boat set. We'll do a basic set on the island and we'll just knock it out. Um, like literally knock it out. Like I literally believe, knock it out. It, like it's crazy. I mean, it's only 70 minutes long. It's short, you know, so and it's just kind of like you could replace the third act here on Skull Island with a different payoff not tied to Kong and it would be a better movie. Mm, interesting. Because you you build this whole thing in these a couple of these relationships and then it's like, oh, also Kong. And like we kind of throw out a lot of the relationships to be like, and Kong like knows where there's a treasure on the island, and your mm. son of Kong knows where there's a sure a treasure on the island, and they go and they break in, and then he fights a bear. Like there's like a five minute interaction between son of Kong and a bear, and you're like, this is cool, but like, <laughs> but why? Yeah, this is like what the animators started working on 
while they were shooting the rest of this movie. Oh, Jesus. You know, yeah. so I don't know. It, like, not that great. Um, yeah. It is, I guess, heartening, if, if that's the word, to mm-hmm. know, comforting, I'll say, to know mm. that studio bullshit was studio bullshit all the way back in the 1930s. Yep. Um, you know, yep. studio's got a studio. So, yeah, yes. And they're literally just like, oh, this made money. Well, and to be honest, I'm sure Son of Kong made a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it probably did. I like, feel like we probably right can't. Off. I probably can't go to Box Office Mojo and see yeah. returns <laughs> for it. Son of Kong, but they didn't track it back then. But, um, uh, I'm going to yeah, try. I mean, impress me. No. There's no. got to be some, no, nothing, nothing. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, come um, at me, Amazon. What you got? Yeah, what you got? That's hilarious. I mean, you know, they can't all be winners. There's 64 movies in the in between Godzilla and King Kong. I'm gonna say that probably most of them are not that strong. But Wikipedia it, says it made six hundred thousand dollars in which is pretty fucking huge in 1933. Yeah, dude, that's like, I mean, that's insane. That's yeah. millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All okay. Right. Good for them. Good I guess, on you. Whatever. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cash in on that. Uh, <laughs> that franchise yeah honestly wow okay Wait, where do you watch that that you one's on um yeah that one i i rented on amazon mm, gotcha. it's gonna get interesting because there are a few that it, i think i've said this better it just says like buy the dvd on amazon yes so, yes i'm gonna have a weird collection of random <laughs> all of the the most obscure king kong movies yeah well it's weird i'm like should i just be buying all of them and create like a massive collection but i'm like i don't really want that well, you won't be able to find them all, I bet. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them, you'd be surprised. A lot of them are released. But um, to buy, I mean, like like a physical copy of? Well, no. I mean, uh, that's what I mean. Sorry. Released oh, like oh. on DVD or whatnot. From what I've seen. I mean, I haven't gone deep diving into it, but yeah. a lot of them are considered, like a lot of these are on Criterion. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of them are, you know, around. A lot of them are in HBO. Um, right, right, right. But there's certain ones that like, yeah, like. Frankenstein Conquers the World is uh, <laughs> available on disc. Oh, shit. I love that. I love that. Wow. You know, it's something for everybody, you know? Yes. I've also excitedly discovered that in 1976, there was a King Kong starring Jeff Bridges. Oh, he's definitely, like, made it very, very clear that no one's to bring that up because I've never <laughs> heard that before. <laughs> it's him and Jessica Lange. Yeah. Oh, um, shit. So I'm excited might- to watch that one. I might have to watch that. That sounds pretty freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, in a different direction, I have have been going on a James Gray kick because Ooh. he has all of his movies on Criterion. So I'm just like, oh, this is there. Oh, this is also there. And so is this. Are you full on just subscribed to Criterion now? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's been the best thing that I've subscribed to. Like, literally, I'm just like, everything on there is great. So, like, mm-hmm. just pick and choose. Um, I mean, that's their whole... <laughs> Jam. It's their whole jam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Janice Films. Um, but so I'm going to talk about Two Lovers, which is a movie I'd, I'd heard of, never seen, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Apparently, James Gray and Joaquin Phoenix have made like six movies together and oh. didn't know. I mean, James Gray is prolific. He made movies with Mark Wahlberg. And yeah. um, this one also stars Gwyneth Paltrow and is about this man who's kind of like a man-child, uh, depressed, gets broken up with, and then kind of enters not like a relationship with two different women but is 
like has some kind of relations with these two women, mm-hmm. one of whom he's pursuing, one of whom he isn't. And what I've realized about James Gray now, having watched about four of his movies, is like they're they're just about pain, <laughs> like they're about pain, but also like the choices that you make and the situations that you put yourself into yeah. and that you have to deal with those consequences. I mean, it happens in Armageddon time, which is the first movie I'd ever seen him do. Actually, it's not true. Lost city of Z Armageddon time at mm-hmm. Astro. It's all the same. Like mm. people are imperfect and deeply flawed and sometimes to a criminal or destructive degree. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they're not people and they're not worthy of love in this case, because like, you know, you, you go through the film and you're like, no, these people are actual people. And, you know, with two lovers, one, Joaquin is just phenomenal. And so is Gwyneth Paltrow, but she's always she's always sure. great. With Joaquin, I feel like he's dependent on the material. And in the last couple movies yeah. that I've watched, I watched The Yards with Mark Wahlberg. He does it all. Like, he runs the gamut. Like, Joaquin really, he's yeah. much more talented than I think people understand he is because he's he's like he's gone full weirdo these last couple years and i think they're like well that's what he does and i'm like it is and he's great at that but he's also a great straight man a great serious actor a good heavy like he's just really good yeah and in two lovers he kind of runs the gamut um what were you gonna say i think i think he's one of those actors that you could put him in any role and he'd find something to do like you could put him in like uh a comedy, you know, you could put him in a yeah. um, fucking what's the, the director? Like you, you could, you could put him in like a Judd Apatow comedy, and like he'd find something unique to bring to it. I think that, and it's like yes. that's a a rare talent that you can't say about really that many actors at all. Yeah, it's so true. Like a guy who can do that, plus do Bo is afraid, plus be Joker. Like it's just yeah. he can kind of do it all. And uh, I'm I'm very Napoleon. yeah yeah exactly. Um, And I can't wait to keep going on this James Gray, Joaquin Phoenix kind of journey because what I've seen of him so far, it's just he, he, well, James Gray specifically, like he just has an understanding of people that I relate to, Mm -hmm. um, in a really strong way. We own the night. No, that's, that's Joaquin, Mark Wahlberg and Ava Mendez. The Um, James Gray movie. Yeah. 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 And that I think is, um, I mean, I don't know. I might be, I haven't seen a lot of James Gray's movies, but uh, that might be his most like popcorny isn't the word, mm-hmm. but like more, most mainstream, most studio esque. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be curious to, to hear what you thought about that. So you should hit that. I'll, one up. I'll definitely check it out. I'm sure it's on Criterion, honestly, because yeah. they have a whole James Gray collection. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought Two Lovers was great. I, I'm i always on the fence about Gwyneth Paltrow because, like, honestly, I came into her as, like, like Pepper, Pepper which is Poss, sucks. Yeah. Like, that's not who... She's she's a better actress than, you know, the Marvel stuff. Well, and you fold due. that in with the all the, like, goop stuff that you hear about her, the, you know, all of yes. her pop culture stuff that, like, doesn't fit. Yes. But, yeah, it's, it's, she's got a weird reputation, I feel like. Well, and it fits. I mean, it's the same thing with Tom Cruise. Like, I came into the, their their careers at the wrong time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Two Lovers. I thought it was really, really good. Um, just kind of a perfect little, a really subtle but perfect little picture that was just, yeah, I thought it was lovely. So check it out if you can. Um, and I can't wait to talk about more James Gray stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this really swings, but um, my Saturday morning watch this week was Phantom Thread by Ah. uh, PTA, which is one I'd never seen before. Ooh, wow. Um, Really? Yeah. I mean, it's from my ones I missed list, you know, Um, but it's one of those ones that I'm like, it's a PTA film. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel (laughs) Day-Lewis. And this movie, I will start by saying, is like a four-star movie. This movie is great. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't really make bad movies. And Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't really give bad performances. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, That being said, I did have a couple small things with it in that like with Daniel Day-Lewis, and it's weird to think that this was his final film. Right. Um, and, and I mean, he's still around and kicking. He's just retired. He's not at this dead. Point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounded very definitive. Um, definitive. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I think his performance in this was almost too subtle Ooh. at times where Ooh. it was like very subtle and you got the vibe off of it and you got kind of what he was putting out. But I think yeah. because of the subtleness to this, and this might be just a knock against me, but because of the subtleness, I kind of missed some of the themes that like it was pushing at. Oh. You know, because I mean, I think of, you know, Billy the Butcher in um Gangs in New York and like yeah, you know, sure. you think of these huge Daniel Day or um what's his name from Plainview. There will be blood. Um, Daniel yeah, Plainview. Daniel Plainview. Yeah. Like these really <laughs> toxic, really like dark, evil kind of characters. And then this guy who is kind of like problematic and all this different stuff, but it's so subtle that I'm kind of like, oh, he's not, that's not, you know, he's just kind of like a dick, which like, sure. You know, yes. um, so yeah. I think the subtlety there kind of threw me a little bit. And then because, as a result of that, um, and there were other things too, but I, I feel like I didn't really click into what the movie was driving towards mm. until yes. later in the script, mm-hmm. you know, because like, at, and after I did click in, I was like, I went, I was thinking back and I was like, oh, okay, I can like weave this, ta- no pun, uh, I can weave this tapestry <laughs> well. like back and see like where we're coming from and where we're going, you know, I can put it all together, but right. it it took me a long time to get to that point of like, oh, Mm. this is like the, what we're trying to get at here is the back and forth in relationship between these two main characters. Like I was, I wasn't aware that that was the road I was supposed to be going down until it was like, kind of, Uh, we were already down that road. And I was like, oh, 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 you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it like kind of, unpacked the whole thing once it clicked. So, right. um, but really good, really beautiful. Um, yeah. I mean, again, PTA doesn't make bad movies. Um, it did make me want to go watch other Daniel day Lewis movies though. Um, yeah. Well, and it's odd because like he didn't have like an enormous career. Like if you yeah. look at his acting credits, he's not like one of those, you know, actors from the forties that have 195 credits. Like, yeah, he has like, well, like 12 or 14 movies that he did. Yeah. I mean, like I'm that. on his letterbox list right now and it says 38, but a lot of these are like, mm. you know, here's from 1982 when he's like a bit player in a BBC movie, you know, like that kind of stuff. But yeah, right. I mean, we're talking like my left foot. We're talking, 
Last of the Mohegans, Age of Innocence, Lincoln, Gangs of New York, Phantom Thread, There Will Be Blood. Yeah. And like probably a couple other ones that I'm losing off. Nine. Nine. Yeah. Nine. Uh, <laughs> the box. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are other ones here, but like, you know, like it's not like a massive undertake career, but it's like every th- single one of them is absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's astonishing. Like he, he, he's quantity over quality. He's like the, 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 yeah. Like yeah. The, um, the example for that. But yeah, I think you, for for Phantom Thread, for me, it did take two watches. I've only seen it twice, but it mm-hmm. took the two because I felt the same way that you did the first time, especially through the first 30 minutes. I was kind of like, hmm. What are we doing? Yeah. Interesting. This doesn't feel like a PTA movie necessarily because usually they're like not fired out of a cannon, but you know, there's some, you yeah. understand it from the beginning. And that was a little different for him. Um, it's but, like a cooked over a low flame kind of kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, beautiful. I keep, I've been listening to the soundtrack since yeah. there. And the thing I can say, I think that's the biggest compliment from, from my side though, is um, I was like in like a weird, just like mood for like several hours afterwards where yeah. I was just like, you know, oh, I want to be very proper and like, mm-hmm. you know, be like a, a, a gentleman as it were and all this kind have of stuff. Have some tea. Yeah. Have some tea. <laughs> yeah. You know, put on a bow tie. Yep. Yep. Yeah, be a dapper British gent. Uh, I love it. I'm, so. I actually, I, I sh- I'll watch that again this year because I do, like, it's one that people don't talk about, but mm-hmm. the people that do talk about it are like Phantom Thread. Like, the ones yeah. who know, know. And I'm like, okay, I think I need to be, I think I just need to get there. <laughs> and I do feel like every, if I watch this over and over again, I would pa- unpack something new every time. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Right in that vein, literally f- what you just said, uh, I went and saw All of Us Strangers, the Andrew Haig film, starring Andrew mm-hmm. Scott and Paul Meskel. Um, and this is a movie that 100% I'm going to need to watch again and probably listen to some people talk about it because I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I, I know that I really enjoyed this movie, mm-hmm. but it is a very interpretive film about this um, about this man who, uh, living in Ireland, played by Andrew Scott, who lives in this newly constructed apartment complex where there's only one other person living there. That person is Paul Meskel and they are both, um, happen to be openly gay and are like kind of have this weird trauma relationship where they're kind of, they, they have a lot of baggage, but they're both coming into it in this, on the same level. And then it gets even weirder because Andrew Scott has lost his parents uh, when he was a child, and there's this weird surrealist dream-like nightmare level of the film where he visits his parents, but everything is on a level where you're not sure what is happening for real. Like the whole movie, you're like, I don't know what's happening for real. Yeah. Like what's going on? And I loved that because it felt like depending on who you are, you're going to take this movie completely differently, which Mm -hmm. I found to be great. I also found a little frustrating because by the end, I really wasn't sure what to make of anything because it was so ambiguous as to be like, Hmm, Mm. did any of this happen? Did this movie happen? Cause he plays a writer. So you're like, is this a story that he's construct? Like, is any of this happening? Having said that, it is gorgeous. Like I saw it at the mm. Coolidge. It is absolutely astonishingly beautiful. Claire Foy and Jamie Bell are also in it. Just 
you know, as the other, only other two characters in the yeah. film. Amazing. I love them both individually, but together I was like, this is, they, they make a perfect pairing. Um, and obviously Andrew Scott, I'm a huge fan of, and, and, uh, Paul Meskel, like both of those guys, it's funny because Paul has just started working, but he feels like he's been working forever. And mm-hmm. Andrew has been working for 25 years, but it seems like he's just getting here. Yeah. So it's like this weird dichotomy of their careers crossing. Um, that I just thought it was it was beautiful. It was like a sensual, destructive, traumatic kind of a movie that just hit all of these different levels for me. Um, made me cry, made me just kind of sit there in disbelief a lot. Uh, but it's worth checking out for sure. And Andrew Scott for sure is going to be in the conversation. I don't know if he will be nominated. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say because the, the year is so stacked. But sure. Um, Highly recommend all of us strangers. I think everyone should see it just to kind of like experience that and and try and make you know come up with what they think the movie is really about. Um, because it's just weird. It's very strange but beautiful. So yeah, all of us strangers. It's weird. I'm scrolling through Paul Mescal's like IMDb, and he seems to be a big fan. And I don't know if this is just how it's, but of like films with almost nobody in them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, you look at like, I mean, there's after some, but you look at like Faux. Faux that has, you know, five people in it. Um, mm-hmm. Normal people from 2022 is literally just the two of them. Yep. Um, I don't know how that movie, that movie's like what, four hours long? Oh, it's a show. No. I think it's a miniseries. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at 342 minutes and I'm like, and you're like, oh God. <laughs> five hours, six hours long. Yeah. And Martin um, Scorsese, who? Yeah. <laughs> um, but crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Both of them. I'm like, wow. Yeah. They have this, the goods, man. Andrew Scott, like they, finally, like he's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now, like I he did a couple actors round tables and I'm like, yes, you're sitting with like the people you're here. You're at the table. Like yeah. you're here now and you deserve it. Cause you're astonishing in this movie. Um, and he's one of those people. I think that has that we were talking about last week with, um, American fiction and like, mm. you know, people that just have this inborn like gravitas, yeah. you know, that can just, and I think he's one of those people. I don't think he like shows that a lot, but there is just a power behind, I feel like everything I've seen him in. So, yeah. And this is the one again, like this is the this, 2023 was the year of like, this is the one for a lot of people, which is cool. So, 